0: Morning, Mendham Hills Community Church. We're glad each of you are here. And I'm excited uh, to get into some things today that are right smack in the middle of that series. And I really enjoy the worship set this morning. Uh, some of the key pieces in there, in the midst of the fire, holding back the flames, in the midst of the waters, holding back the waves, and even that shout a little louder and that hallelujah, in the midst... Of the mystery, That kind of hit me because I kind of think this life really is a mystery. If you're like me, gone a number of years, you look at where you are and what you're doing. Maybe you thought you'd be somewhere else, doing something else, living somewhere else. And maybe leaning back, you say it is a mystery. It's a mystery of what we're doing. It's a mystery of who we know, the hardships, the challenges, the things we don't understand, the scarcities, the abundances, and how that all happens. John's been like giving that to us in these last weeks, and it's it's making sense. But if you're like me, sometimes I just feel like, even kind of like a fish out of water. I don't always get it. Life really is a mystery. And in the midst of that, sometimes we find abundance and sometimes we find scarcity. And maybe today you're here and you're thinking, I'm probably the only one who's going through stuff. I'm probably the only one that's hurting deep inside, but I'm not really going to tell anybody. I'm probably the only one that doesn't understand some of the things that Probably others do. Why am I going through the hardship I'm going? Why did, why did I lose that job? Why, why, why is my company not doing all that well? Why is it that I was transitioned? Why is it that my CV isn't where it needs to be in my thinking? Why, why, am I, why, why is there challenges in my family, in my extended family? It really is a mystery. I want to encourage you. I imagine almost everyone in this room, probably everyone, has got stuff going on in their life. Things they don't understand. Challenges of what it means to live in the mystery. Fires erupting around them. Waters that seem insurmountable. The feeling that we're going to drown. And maybe in all of that, we step back and ask ourselves a very simple question. Does God really have this going? Is he really directing my life? Or is it just up to me? And I make whatever happens, happens. Or is there a plan? Is there a place that I'm headed towards? When stuff happens, what do I do? Well, if you've been here a couple weeks and this whole movement back to this feeding of the 5,000, we realize that John's challenged us that even in scarcity, to not have a scarcity mentality, but to recognize there's abundance. To look out and say, I might not understand what's going on, but somebody has my back. God isn't the cause of all the tough things that happened. He gets pinned with a lot of stuff. But he has a way of taking all those things that happened to us and turning it for a very special reason. What I'm getting out of what I'm hearing from John is that God is more interested in our character than our comfort. More interested in our character than in our coziness at any particular time and maybe in this mysterious way he guides me and yet I have this free will and together walk in such a way that life though I don't always understand it in the midst of that mystery has a place that it's heading I believe that you know things are just getting great for the disciples John talked about it you know this feeding of the 5,000 or probably more it was a rather big thing. Near Capernaum, it had a village of about 1,500. Jerusalem only had 20,000 people in it. So when you look at 5,000 plus anybody else who was there, it might have run up to 10 or whatever. We don't know that number. It was a major deal, probably the biggest deal that had ever happened in that section of the Middle East a lot of times we we section these things off in something called Bible stories, and we forget that there were serious historians that laid down their reputations to stand by that these things happened. It wasn't just a Sunday school lesson. If 5,000 plus people were fed, that was the biggest thing that had happened in, in Palestine or the Middle East. There are a lot of people running around who were there. And the individuals, whether Jewish or historians and all of these people, they were writing at the time. In fact, as an apologetic, they couldn't say a lot about Jesus and his miracles. They just sort of said, well, he's probably a magician. Or they weren't sure of his parentage. But the silence is deafening over that feeding of the 5,000 that was literally in every gospel. You'd think there were people around that would say that never happened. I don't know anybody that was there. In fact, you will never find anyone who was there because it was all make-believe. But it was just too big a deal. It was such a big deal that the Talmud, the earlier writers had nothing that they could say against it. And so when we think of that event, we realize that that was probably the biggest thing that had ever had happened in their lives. And what did Jesus do? Right after this big event, so powerful, he says, oh, come on, come on, come on, get in the boat, get in the boat. John talked about that, get in the boat. Boats are always interesting in Bible pieces and you note that Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm giving you an invitation. Would you like to get in the boat? We have a boat ride for you. It's like the circle line. No, the word says that he made the disciples get in the boat. I wouldn't want to get in the boat. I'd want to be back with this thing going on. If I had a video player, I'd be playing it. But instead, Jesus makes them get in the boat, and they get into a storm. They get into tough times. they got that whole thing going on. And you ask yourself, Jesus why is there blessing and then why is there challenge why are there times that things seem so wonderful in life and then there are times that just feel like the fire and the water we discussed well the series is about a couple things and it just simply is this things are taken things are then blessed things are broken And things are passed out. And that's what Jesus did with the fish and the loaves. And that's what happened at Passover meal. He took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he passed it out. And it suddenly dawned on me that I just may be the fish or the loaves. Just a little kid. Well, Jesus, this is all I have. I got a fish. It's a fish out of water. feels like a fish out of water. And here's a little loaf. But it's my life, and all I have is yours, and I'm just going to give it to you. And then it kind of dawned on me, he doesn't want my car. He doesn't want my fishing rod. He doesn't want my motorcycle. He doesn't, you know, yeah, that stuff's cool. But what he really wants is me. It's like I have a relationship with my motorcycle, but he wants me because he wants to be a dad to me and a dad to you. So I started to look at this in a similar way. I said, well, well, what is to to what if? Are you saying to me that this principle is kind of true for our lives and maybe it makes the mystery make a little more sense when I realize that I, like that little kid, give whatever I am, which is some bread to be cast on the waters and a, a fish in the sea, just one little deal. And Jesus says, yeah, thank you so much. Look what I can do with your life. And then he, then he blesses it. We got blessed. And then sometimes we get broken. And things hurt. And then there's a path because he's going to pass our lives out to people. Could this be? Is this what makes the mystery make sense? The hard things that happened. Well, I I went back and I started looking for it. And and I go to, you know, John's talked about James, the the unbeliever guy at first who said, you know, my brother's acting like he's God. So all of a sudden, oh, he is God. And his life turns around and he writes this letter to everybody with cool stuff in it. And and there, at the end of it, he makes something kind of, for me, outlandish. He says, oh, if if you want to have an impact in the kingdom, you know, Just remember this guy Elijah, Elijah, and then he says he was a person just like us. What Elijah, a person just like us? He's the guy that you name your kid after. He's the kid, or he's the place, and he's the name that you name all sorts of stuff after. There's always something going on with Elijah. And you're telling me to consider him because he can model some things for my life? What can he model with my life? That doesn't make any sense to me. And then, then James says, no, 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 he was a person just like us. He stubbed his toe, his back discs were out of place probably every once in a while. He, he, he woke up with a bad neck, all of that. He bled, it just, oh, he had his hair, I don't know what the deal was. But in reality, he was a person like, oh, what can I learn from Elijah. Well, first of all, that he was a person just like us. If he was a person just like me and just like you, that means maybe he didn't have a big CV, maybe you've got one, you know, I'm just Dave, and, and I just somehow got wound up in God's hands, and he took me. He took my little fish. He took the little bread, and he cast the bread in the water and somehow multiplied fish. So all of a sudden, we don't know anything about Elijah. We don't know where he went to college. We don't know if it was Oxford or Harvard, if he went to Yale, if he went to Rutgers, if he went to Penn State, shout out for Penn State. But in all of that, we don't know where he went. He just showed up, and he was all we know, he's a tishbite. I don't know what a tishbite is, but that's all we know of him. And when he shows up, and then the next thing we find out, he's talking to the king. That's like the president. Maybe someone here has talked to a president. I haven't. So he starts out his CV in life, young prophet, young guy, talking to the king, having an influence, and then he kind of shoots his mouth off and he says this, oh by the way, Prez, you can't do anything about this, but by my mouth, it's gonna rain or not rain in Israel for three years, and I'm calling it a drought. It wasn't that popular. And that was it. He ran, and I I imagine him sitting down having a coffee at Starbucks saying, you know, that was really good. And I've started out my prophetic ministry talking to the big guy, to the king. And all of a sudden, the blessing, which that was, uh, starts to turn in a powerful way. Because first we are taken, and then we get blessed. Blessed. And then an interesting thing, sometimes as the Lord takes the fish, he breaks the fish for a reason. Doesn't mean that all bad things get blamed on God. That's not true. You get a flat tire, it's probably the tire. It's not that God wants to careen your life on 78, okay? But he gets blamed for this stuff sometimes. But all of a sudden, the word, it says, came to Elijah. It says, Elijah, go eastward. And go to this place called the Kareth Valley. I'm sure he's on his device saying Kareth Valley, IT department, you know, home of prophets, college of prophets, PhD of prophets. Go to the Kareth Valley and and look what I've got. There's no Uber there. So there's no food Uber there. So I've decided I'm going to have ravens come and feed you. Every morning and every night, birds. Big birds with feathers and beaks and bird saliva and all that stuff. And they're going to feed you every morning and night. Now, can you imagine coming home and telling your spouse that? Man, I just heard from God, you know. And we're supposed to go to the Delaware Valley, over to the river there. And I'm supposed to, you're supposed to just sit there and, and put that on your CV. That's a promotion. That's what I wanted. Maybe I'm out of work right now. Maybe I'm transitioning. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I lost my job. Maybe I'm looking to see the next steps. I got my resume everywhere. I'm sure Elijah had his resume everywhere. But God says, go to this valley. Oh, by the way, there's no IT there. There's no internet no Wi-Fi, there's nothing. There aren't even any people there. In fact, so many know people that the only ones you're going to listen to as long as you're there is the sound of birds. I won't do it live. The sound of birds. And those birds will be there in the morning and they'll be there at night. And, and by the way, the river that I'm sending you to, the Carrots Valley, the Carrots River, the name of it is actually, it dries up. So, how would you like to go to a place where the river dries up and you have to wait on birds morning and night <laughs> for food, like creepy food with birds saliva on it, and they drop it. it? Just doesn't sound good. But the next verse says this: "But he did what the Lord asked him to do." Well, there's a novel thought, isn't it? Do what the Lord wants you to do, but he did it, and. And I remember when I read this a couple years ago, I, I said to myself, to my, when I was in, New, in Pennsylvania, I said, you know, I'm from Jersey. I said, this doesn't even make sense. I said, I don't think I can even identify what a raven is. And number two, I've never seen any of them eating anything except something. And, and I said, does anybody? Said, no, we don't know what it means. That was on Friday. On Sunday, Janine's here. If this is not true, she will stand up, okay? So don't stand up. But so are the right man. So so Sunday morning we used to pray for the elders would come pray for me. And this guy Dwayne Peachy, two two generations out of the Amish, comes and Dave, Dave, you don't believe what happened? I, what happened? He said I was up on my tree stand. I don't even know what a tree stand looks like. I was up on my tree stand and I was talking with God. I don't know. That's not my place. I talk with God. And and up there, and he said and I looked up at the sky, telling you the absolute truth. He said, I saw two black specks in the air, and one of them got bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and and it, I backed up against the tree, and it hit my tree stand and fell over on the ground. He said, I went over to look at what it was, and it was a submarine roll. (laughs) And guess what dropped it? A raven! I'm like, what timing? Was that right, Jenny? Telling you the absolute truth, it changed his life, but it changed my life. Because I'm like, I just asked that question. So these things do steal food, and they bring it to other places. This isn't weird for ravens. I almost hit a pheasant on the way to church this morning on a one-lane road. I said, I can't hit that. It might be on a mission, you know, and I don't know what it is. So I backed up, and it flew across my windshield. But, you know, why does stuff happen? Well, James, so here he is in the Careth Valley, only listening to the voice of God and ravens. Why would God do something like that? No devices, no jets, no giants, no hockey, nothing. Because in that time, his next promotion from the outside looked like, Pew, the world says, you've lost it. But God says, I'm giving it to you. This is the only place, Elijah, where I can speak to you, and I know you will listen because there's nothing to complicate your life. That's why you're going there. And for over a year, all he learned was how to hear from God. They didn't have, right now, videos. To hear from God and to put it in your life. Well, the end of that year came up and all of a sudden, again, his CV was out, no doubt all over, and he gets his next job. And and God says to him, I love this, says, I have appointed a widow for you. If I was in his shoes, which I wouldn't want to be because I love my wife, and I hear that. What am I thinking? What's running through my brain? This house is a second or third house she has. She's got his pension. She's got his 403B, 401 k. She's got it. I'm set. I can't wait to get out of this place. Gets on, rolls over to her, finds her. God identifies her, and he is ready for a meal, filet, whatever it is and asks for a little food. She goes, hey, I can't give any food because this is all I have, and we're about to die, so we're going to be dead. (laughs) We've got nothing. Not even saltine crackers for sardines. You're used to those in the carathetic. But no, I've got nothing. We're going to die. And then, you know, is this a widow? Is this the provision of God? Do you ever wonder where the provision of God is in your life? Things have been kind of quiet around here. I'm not where I thought I'd be. I don't know what he's doing. It looks like I'm downsizing. I don't understand it. Does he have my back? Or is this only on me? If in Elijah's feet and shoes, would you say, oh, in the Carrot Valley? And then to a widow with nothing. But all of a sudden, Elijah turns to her and begins that, there he goes again thing. He makes a statement. He says, well, you know, the oil, the flour will not give up until rain comes back on the earth. And basically, I'm the guy who's going to make that call, so you're cool. And Jesus picks up on that. He says, I think there was many widows, but God sent her to, to this one. So he was on mission. She's got nothing. But it all worked out. Three years, three years, this whole thing was going on. And then all of a sudden, one day, we move from giving to God our lives to seeing the initial blessings, which will continue through life, now to some real hardship, which in that breaking kind of broke him And breaking can be hard. Breaking that stuff that's in here that's so self-dependent. Breaking that stuff in here that seems so wise because I'm a wise guy. Breaking whatever it is. And then at the end of that double session, it was like getting your baccalaureate and then getting your master's in that. Suddenly, the Lord says, okay, go back and talk to Ahab. Well, he's not going to want to see me. I'm the little guy that went up there and told him it wasn't going to rain, even though it didn't rain. Go see him. Go see him. Because now he was in a new season. As he was in that new season, suddenly, he goes to Ahab. And they have a little discussion about the rain situation and the drought." and a drought remember there isn't food everywhere so you were good for about a season so drought means everybody's in deep trouble and so there was a little challenge given to him and so Elijah starts to talk a little boldly and he says well look we got a little thing going here Jehovah's God or this Baal things Baal things God and that was a kind of a nasty thing if you go into the historicity of all that stuff and and you pull that together and suddenly can An entire nation turn on one day? Yes, it only takes one because that happened literally in this nation and there is historicity about it. These aren't just Bible stories. This is historicity. On that one day, one person had the courage to walk up a mountain alone in the sense that it was God in his life and challenged the forces that were there to make sure something happened or just keep it quiet. And so they did a little thing about fire falling out of heaven. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't think I can call fire out of heaven. I think I'd have to sit in the Kareth Valley for a year and be fed by ravens. Oh, is that what that was about? Yeah, learning to trust on something you don't understand. Learning to trust day by day the provision of God. Learning to drink from a brook that is called it dries up. Going to a widow who has no food and is ready to die and seeing somehow the multiplication in the scarcity of the flour and the oil. So somehow these things had worked through his life in the brokenness. And the brokenness is hard. And in the blessing that he can confidently walk up a hill and just say, hey, just douse all this sacrifice with water. Put more on it. Put more water on it. You know, get the fire department out. Put more water on it. And then he calls fire down from heaven. And suddenly the whole nation changes. You see, Elijah was like the fish and the loaf, bread upon the waters. Fish broken, and handed out, and he was blessed in those first moments there with God, and then he went to a place of hiding where God hid him for a period of time in order to really get to his heart. You know, the silent times aren't bad. Two things I call us to, times when it's just God and and us, and times in community. We need both of them. But the silent times, the times when it doesn't seem like there's anything going on, the times in which you feel like you've been forgotten and you're only on your own, you're the master of your own ship and it's floundering, those are times that can be very rich. The times where we're breaking because God is putting his finger on something of character in our life, and how hard that is. He never reveals something to us without it going to give us the power to take care of it. Generally not in an instance, a little journey, but we we have food for the journey. Those things are going on, but then will come a passing of the season. Then the passing of that season, suddenly he is in front of, of what he would have had to have been prepared for because of the depth of his relationship. No, God's got your life. More than we're ever aware. In the job transitions, in the house transitions, in the things that don't make sense, and the things that break us, The things that hurt us, and the fires that are in front of us, and the waves that seem to overcome us. The times when we feel like we're hidden from everybody, alienated and alone in a valley where it seems as if no people are but ravens. And the times in which it feels like we're but a little piece of bread or a little fish. Too little to be given into the hands of Jesus. But we give it anyway. You know he receives it. And then he blesses us. and He blesses us. And cool things start to happen. and Then he gets serious and he starts to make us. Because he's not interested in the comfort and the coziness. He's interested in the character. Because if Elijah didn't have the character... He never would have walked up that mountain. And when he walked up that mountain, everything changed. You know, we never know when we are at that moment when what we say to one person or a few people could indeed be, in a sense, the talk or the influence or the sermon of our lifetime got a few minutes i read a story probably about 17 maybe 1790 in eastern pennsylvania hard area reading an old 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 book an old dissertation told me something i never knew before that there was an entire renewal through all of eastern pennsylvania Led by people who we would all look and say to ourselves are lay people. It's like 45 farmers just got up and decided we're going to go to every village, we're going to go to every town, every place where there are log cabins, and we're going to love on people and tell them about the Lord. So this thing caught like fire through eastern Pennsylvania. Nobody had a license, nobody had an ordination. They are just regular people like us, regular people. And there was one day when, this brought tears to my eyes, when, when I read this, one day there was about a camp meeting with maybe five, six hundred people, and maybe four or five people had already preached, been speaking, doing talks. And uh, an African-American driver of a carriage just got off the carriage, sauntered down to the front, and started to speak and the phrase from 1790 was this it was as if fire came from heaven and melted ice row after row of people were so touched that that day and that evening their life had totally changed the stunning thing about it is that guy had no clerical studies no licenses No, nothing. But on that day and on that evening, he was called to give probably the biggest message of his life. I want to meet that guy someday. I want to talk to him up there and learn his story. But it shows me that everyone in this room has an adventure and a plan. God is working out it's that mystery we sing a little louder we sing a hallelujah in the midst of that mystery you're not forgotten you're not on the side your days aren't over you never know that moment when what you say can change a person we had three little quick stories here very quick of God things There was a gal named Juanita. Juanita had cerebral palsy. She was in our church. She was probably 45 to 50 years age. I never heard Juanita ever utter a word. I heard her sing, I thought, a couple times. She had a wheelchair that was movable. Biggest smile you'd ever meet. Lighted eyes, like only lighted eyes. She loved to eat chocolate, So if you had chocolate, you could feed chocolate, and you'd be laughing, she'd be laughing, because chocolate was everywhere. But the thing about Juanita is someone did a study on her. I I tell you this is the truth. And they did the green work. That's their strength deployment inventory language. Very understanding facts and numbers, and, and found out, that more people were led to faith through her life than any other person in the church. Maybe including me. Remember I told you about that hit man. It's one of those people. And so her influence just passed out everywhere. There was a guy. There was a woman. And she ironed laundry in London, in England, hot, charcoal fire in an iron. And in that iron with with charcoal fire, her son was known as the biggest slaver in the entire world. He sold people, stacked them like logs, took the hits for how many people Would die on the journey. And that was his life. How do you tell people, oh my God, my son's the most famous slaver in the world? She prayed, dear God, for his turn to faith. And she said, may a thousand people come out of his life. What? There's nothing going on. And secondly, and out of that, may a thousand people come from that life. And may a thousand come from that life. And may a thousand come from the fifth life, fifth generation, from a woman who saw nothing except her husband was one, or her son was one of the most notorious people on the planet. But her son came to faith. And he wrote a hymn called Amazing Grace. And out of his life, they've done the research. Over a 1,000 people came to faith. And out of that came a famous person of a 1,000 who came to faith, down to the fourth or fifth generation. And I'm thinking that woman who was just there doing some ironing had no idea that she in the hands of Jesus had been taken, blessed, broken, and then passed out. You know, as we're here today, I think I am that little fish and that little piece of bread. I don't have much to give to God. I'm not smart. I just, here I am. But you know, when you give something to Him, He's going to bless it, He's going to break it, and then He's going to pass it out. So, in this shout a little louder. In this, sing hallelujah. In, this, in the midst of the mystery. And every day, every week of my life, in my years, I've had a few years, I have only grown stronger in the reality that he's got your back. He knows what's going on. And the mystery falls apart when we understand the principle of scarcity abundance. Give it. Just give it. Give that life to him because he's going to take it. He's going to take it because he loves you. And he's going to bless it before the Father. He's going to break it going to pass it out and influence you never knew.